It's time for a smashing cast from the present. Produced by Michael, the Exo Paradigm Gamer. Consulted by Haydox, the uh, Haydox. Supervised by Ryan, the Rye Rule. And directed by Dan, the King K. It's the Unversed cast. I guess we should turn to Michael because. Michael's Michael's twiddling his little gamer thumbs, waiting to talk about. Say what? Uh, say the game you want to talk about. Well, do I want to talk about ukulele yet? I mean, do no, I? No, do you? Uh, is it your game well of the year? Is it your game of the year? No, it's it's probably my most disappointing game of the year. Oh, really? I th I think I hate this game. Oh. <laughs> Holy oh shit! People said this game was good, though. I have absolutely no okay. idea what game they've been playing. I mean, can, can we get all beef on here? I will say this: can, can we get all beef on here? He loves that well, game. I'll be yeah, flexible because he's a speedo. Because I'm gonna be honest, I fell off. I, I was really digging it for a while, and then like halfway through, I was like, I'm good. Like, okay. <laughs> so before I rip it to shreds, I will give it credit where credit is due. It looks really nice. I, in terms of like the story and the sense of humor, it feels like a classic rare game. No complaints there. Um, I really like the overworld. It's the best part of the game by far. Um, but the problem with that is the best part of the game reminds me of the first ukulele. So if that's the best I'm going to get out of it, I'd rather just play the first one again. I mean, the overworld is my favorite part too, for precisely the same reason. <laughs> um, but, you know... What I think... Okay, so there are several problems with it that are really difficult to parse out. But I, what I really find fascinating about this game and about its success is about how people are talking about, like, it reminds me of DKC. The same people who designed DKC made this, and it reminds me of that. And it really isn't anything like DKC. Except maybe, like, if you look at the very... The mechanics are similar. You can do a roll and you can roll off of ledges. And it reminds me more of DKC Returns and Tropical Freeze than the actual original trilogy, where Laylee's kind of like a power-up, kind of like what Diddy was for the newer games. Um, and it really, and it has all the same problems as those retro studios Donkey Kong games as well, where the levels are all 10 minutes long, all of the secrets are way too craftily hidden, they're way- they encourages you to collect bananas, or quill- like, the quills and bananas between the two games are used very similarly, or sometimes in order to get a twit coin or a puzzle piece to appear, you need to collect a whole bunch of breadcrumbs, essentially. But it's not- there are no clear signifiers to tell you what actually unlocks a puzzle piece slash twit coin and what doesn't. It has a problem where and this is actually something that DKC Returns doesn't have, where the enemies don't respawn, but in order to get many of the twit coins, you need to bounce off of enemies. And there are also things where, like, you need to, like, grab these bombs and use it to destroy cages whenever, and those don't respawn either. So, much like DKC Returns, you end up having to kill yourself over and over and over again to fully complete these stages. So it's like, this game has a huge pacing problem, is, like, the big thing. Is that... It throws so many breadcrumbs at you all the time. And it's just like, when I first played this game, I just came out of a three hour long lecture 
basically going over the fundamentals of level design at game design college that I'm not going to name. And level design, I'm, I'm just gonna throw this out there, is really hard. It is extremely difficult because you have to be a pretty competent systems designer and a pretty competent narrative designer. And you have to bridge those two and have, you know, like a mastery of spatial design and you need to know how to pace things out. You need to know how to guide the player organically without shoving it in their face. They're so, it is such a fiddly, difficult thing to do. Which is why when Ryan once said that good level design is standard, it's something, yes, that is what we should want, but it is extremely difficult to do it right. So bear in mind, I understand that, but it's just even with my own rudimentary understanding of what makes for good level design at the professional level, I can look at ukulele and the impossible layer and say, it is making mistakes all over the place. And the biggest one is the use of breadcrumbs is so prolific and overused because this game doesn't have a life system, which on one hand is good because it's kind of a dated relic of its time. But on the other hand- Ding, 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 ding. Game design. Yeah, but Sorry. on the other hand, the what the breadcrumbs did in DKC, in both the old games and the newer ones, was it was a way to unlock lives. And it was also a way to guide the player. Like, there's so many parts in the old DKC games where they have this, like, limited tiny frame and relatively large sprites, where they would use bananas to help you guide, help guide the player and avoid hazards and stuff, or attract you towards secrets and stuff. The problem is that this game throws quills at you, like, truckloads of quills at you all the time where it's impossible to tell what is a breadcrumb guiding you towards something and what's just more shit to pick up. And they just shove it all in your face and you need them to unlock the tonics for some reason, even though the tonics themselves are a reward for exploration. So from a systems design perspective, it's like, fucked. Like they had no other way to justify the quills being in the game other than that. And then, but because you know, they have to actually make the cost for the tonics high enough, so they had to throw a ton of them at you in stages. So it's just like all over the place, misbalanced. The actual levels are okay, I guess. But it's it's like, I feel like I've played this game before, if that makes any sense. Like, I've played Donkey Kong Country Returns, I've played Tropical Freeze. This game reminds me a lot of that. I'll give it credit for this much, it has some creative concepts for stages that aren't just the generic you know, like green plains and volcano. Like one of the first levels you go to is, is a factory mixed with a rose garden, which was really visually compelling. So it's got that going for it, but it's just like actually playing it. All the levels take like 10 minutes. It goes on way too long. Trying to 100% a stage is a nightmare and takes way too long. The guidance and attention design are horrible. The enemies barely impact anything and don't respond, so you have to kill yourself over and over again. And then on top of it, the game does the same thing that Yoshi's Crafted World does, where they essentially make you replay a stage you've already played with minor differences, and give you five more fucking twit coins to find. And what's really irritating about that is that there are parts of the level that you can only access, like for example that Rose Garden level, there is a second version of it where it's flooded, and you, have to, and you could swim around fine but the problem is is that you can still see parts of the stage that are exclusive to 
the water flooded version in the regular version. So there's like this big giant ledge that looks like it might go somewhere, but you can't get to it, and there are no signifiers to tell you that it's exclusive to a different version of the stage. So I spent like 30 minutes trying to get up there, trying to figure out where I'm supposed to go, if I could even get there, and then I give up, only to find out, oh, it's part of a different version of the level. Oh, that, that kind of design like, is kind of asinine. That's yeah, so, I mean, that's so annoying. Are are you making uh, fun yeah, of me? Part of the reason why I fell off the game is precisely because of those issues. Because it was like... <laughs> uh, I was really liking this game for quite a while. Like, really, really enjoying it. And then... At some point, I just kind of, like... <laughs> There's a part of me that was like, why? Why are you? Okay, why are you laughing? Seriously. <laughs> because I just tried to add on to your point. <laughs> And like a toddler who gets hit with a dodgeball, you said, are you making fun of me? It was like, it was like I kicked your sandcastle. <laughs> you, I wasn't no. trying to make fun of you, Michael. I was just adding on to your point. <laughs> yeah, but the way really, you said it was so... You, you said it with an air of sarcasm. I did That's just my tone, Michael. I'm so sorry. I wasn't... I was not... That was not my intention. But I just... <laughs> In my head, I, I pictured a younger version of you with like a, a, a hat with one of those propellers and like a lollipop and I kick sand in your face and you, you just said, are you making fun of me as I ran away? Uh, listen, <laughs> younger, younger Mikey was a little shit. Was he? <laughs> this is just the fact. Yes, he was. Would he have hated this game? I don't know what he would have thought of this game. I wasn't trying to criticize you there. I was just trying to add on to it. Okay. Holy shit. Please yeah, continue. Off for, like, it, it felt kind of clunky in weird ways. Um, that's Part of the reason that I fell off was like, I was going for 100% of the levels, and I'm like, wow, this level changing gimmick is really cool. And like I like how the how you have to maneuver the overworld to get the levels to change, and I like I do like the level remixes. But after a while, it's like, well, you gotta get so many fucking twit coins because the you have to play every single level twice, and no matter what, no matter how drastic the remixes are, uh, it's kind of the same layout. <laughs> so yeah, you basically just have to 100% these levels twice with minor variations. Yep. And did, bear in mind, did, it'll probably take you more than annoying. one run of each stage to get 100% yeah, in the first especially because place. this game is annoying in the fact that, like, I just don't feel like things were considered long enough. Like, jumping on enemies to get height is one of the most cumbersome things to do for... I don't know why... Like, it's it does the same thing that trop like there's this level in Tropical Freeze called Bopopolis, which is a big horrible piece of shit that I hate. Where it's like entire string with no checkpoints, where you're just bouncing on enemies' heads over and over again. And it's not like other games where you can just like hold the button and it will just bounce. You have to time the button press. And this game does the yeah. same shit. That's probably why it feels so janky to do. And they ask you to do it so much. 
And it's just I, like I got a question, Michael. And, and a lot of the time, the enemies don't respawn. Yup. Makes it even more infuriating. And Miguel, here's the thing about I didn't that. Mind it. I didn't mind it at first, but when you go through so many levels of it, it does start to wear on you. Yeah. And here's the thing. I have prototyped my own games at this point. They're not huge or anything, but I've been through playtest sessions. I've sat down with people who have no knowledge of my game and watched them play it from the ground up and go like, oh, I guess I didn't communicate that well. Oh, I guess that was distracting. And then I change it. That's the iterative cycle of game design. And that's even more important when you're like a big company making a big game. You need testers to come in and reveal things that you as the designer wouldn't necessarily have considered or noticed. And either these guys, either Platonic did not do any playtesting at all for these levels, or they did do playtesting, which is more likely. And I guarantee you that someone tried to bounce off an enemy's head to get a twit coin somewhere and said, this is annoying, why doesn't this enemy respawn? And that suggests to me <clears throat> that they were told this and did nothing about it for whatever reason. I have no idea well, why. A lot of the time it's because they don't have time to do it, but... And that that's actually a standard practice across the industry because I've heard from a lot of playtesters uh, accounts that I've read that a lot that most playtesters do bring this stuff up but either they playtest too late and then it's kind of like well they can't do anything about it at this point unless they want to delay the game even further which they can do to be fair but delaying a game is a lot more than just pushing a release window back um like it, it <laughs> First of all, you like cost a shit ton of money to delay. Even like, well, it's like I month. know, I know this. I, my professor, the same one who talked about level design, gave a whole spiel about how there's not enough pre-production in the industry, and about how every game gets delayed, and how it costs a fuck ton of money to make a video game. And the first person who gets laid off when it's done is us, the designers. I, I'm familiar with this, but. You know, just speaking, like, I've worked in Unity. The game is made in Unity. I've worked with Unity. I've prototyped in Unity. I I was able to implement respawning enemies in my game. And I know barely anything about coding C-sharp for Unity. So it really would not have been that hard for them to implement that feature specifically. Well, none of us know what it was like there. Well, yes, like, that's true. I don't know what the culture was like or the like timetable. What their priorities were or if like... Because I I think also playtesters would have noticed this, but I'm sure by the time it was brought up, I, I don't know how... Like, maybe the game was in a worse state before this one. <laughs> yeah, like, that could have been a possibility. Where sure. they were like, well, a lot... Maybe all of the collectibles were like that. And they're like, okay, well, we now like... It might have been like, well, we have to make a fundamental shift and maybe they weren't ready to do that and they just had to do like a hot fix. Like, I don't know. Well, <laughs> well all right. Moving here, Here's the deal, right? I, I, I know I sound like a white knight a lot for these for developers, but like, I just want to like, I just want to practice caution because like, this is a thing that I don't like either about the game. But I feel like a lot of people then go on to say, oh, well, these people are just clearly incompetent then. And I'm like, I, I feel like that stretch is unnecessary. And I just don't like making it personally. And I, it bothers me because when it's one thing to harshly criticize a product or a work of art, like passionately, 
Um, and it's another thing to then go on and say, well, like, clearly they're incompetent or like, I, I'm not accusing anybody of saying that, but like, I've done it too, where I veer into the territory of like, well, like what happened here? Like, it, were the, do they just not know what they're doing? Were they trained? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I, I just try to not do it anymore. I just try, I try to not go that extra mile because it just bothers me personally, I guess. And to be fair, I have not had even a beginning of an education like you have, so you probably have a different perspective now that you've gone to school to do it that maybe I don't have. Maybe I'm overly sympathetic, I don't know. Um, that's just how I am. <laughs> I mean, that, Moving, I'll probably be... I, I'm not quite done, Haydux. No, um, no, no, I want to ask a question about the game to you. Okay. Did... This doesn't have to do with game design, but did Grant Kirkhope come back for the music? Because I remember the music was something about ukulele I actually liked. Yes, like I believe the title theme is David Wise. Mm -hmm. David Wise contributed, like that Rose Garden factory level has a really bitchin' tune to it. That was the David Wise original. Uh, sounds a lot yeah. like Freezing Factory from Tropical Freeze, and it's really good. Um, but they also have some in-house platonic composers that added to it. I want to say Kirkhope. I think he wrote the overworld theme and probably a couple others, but like the music is pretty good. It's, it's I don't think it's as good as the first ukulele, but then again, I didn't finish the whole game. So maybe the better stuff comes in the back half. I don't know. I got to right. like a level that was like a web woods sort of thing. And it was like... <sighs> kind of a boring stage and there's like a part where you like get shot out of a cannon and have to pull yourself back to capture it to get a twit coin that I and I died like 10 times on that part and every time you miss you can't try again you have to kill yourself to respawn and try again and that was the point I finished that level I'm just like I'm done I'm not enjoying this game at all and this game is not like the worst game I've ever played don't mistake me anybody who's listening to this I said it was my most disappointing because some of the designers who worked on this game worked on Donkey Kong Country 2 which as I'm sure many of you know is what I consider the best platforming game ever made and I found it really disappointing to play something that the same designers worked on like 25 years later to come back and make something that is making all the same mistakes that every other platforming game is making right now like, it seemed like ever since Donkey Kong Country Returns came out, people decided that platforming games have to be, have to have stages that are 10 minutes long, where you have to collect a million breadcrumbs to make things appear, where, and it's, and you have, it has to be like the most annoying chore possible to get all of the collectibles in a stage, where the game just is way too long, and it just, it, we, they keep making the same mistakes over and over and over and over again, and nobody is calling them out on it. They're getting five out of five out of fives across the board, and no, because nobody is complaining about it, it's not getting fixed. It's not improving. And it's not even necessarily this game's fault in particular, but the fact that it was made by people who realistically knew better 25 years ago, I find that really disappointing. And it honestly makes me kind of upset. So that's why it's my most disappointing game of the year. Is it 
without merit or fun or good. No, there's plenty of good things in this game, but to me it was overshadowed by stuff that I really feel like should have been fixed like eight years ago. So, yeah, that's my final say, say on that. Yeah, kick its ass. So. All right, Ryan, what would you like to talk about now? Oh, hey, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about Indivisible. Oh, it's, oh, it's, was this the Kickstarter play. game? I remember Nikon was really adamant yeah. about Right. Yeah, it was on Indiegogo, and yeah, I also yeah. made a video about it. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I remember these videos. And it's like, oh my god, like, this is the only game I have ever backed uh, before and since. And the older, again, like, what I was talking about with the uh, the Light of Princess earlier in the podcast, is that I like it when games have 2D hand-drawn art, and that's part of the reason <laughs> why I wanted to support this game, because so many retro, or so many indie games nowadays are like, uh, like they use the 8-bit look or the 16-bit look, like the retro look, and you know, for some games it's fine. Other games it kind of comes off as if they're using it as a crutch, because you know it's more cost-friendly to you know make your games look retro, and you know you also appeal to that kind of nostalgia. So when you have a game that uh, doesn't necessarily do that, it tries to do its. I, mean, I don't want to say it do its own thing because uh, Indivisible borrows some things from other games, but. Uh, with Indivisible in, in its art style, it definitely has more of an identity. It stands out more than your typical retro-themed backer-funded game. So, you know, I'm 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 fully supportive of my 2D hand-drawn games or whatever you want to call them. Uh, but you know, it it, is, it takes me back because back then this game was having a hard time getting funded. It needed about 1.5 million dollars, if I remember correctly. Uh, and it was reaching its deadline. It was stuck at like 900,000 or something like that. But after a while, it was able to sh go past its goal and got 2.2 million, you know? And I, I made a video about it years ago. I've, I've funded the game myself personally, and lo and behold, it's, it's finally here. And I'm happy to say that the game is pretty fucking good. It's not great. It has a lot of flaws, but I liked it. It's uh, a Metroidvania-ish kind of game. Uh, and it's the only one that I've played, and again, keep this in mind, I haven't played a lot of them, uh, where the platforming itself actually kind of, it, it made me, it made me take notes that the platforming was actually really good. You get like, you do get like skills like a Metro games where, you know, the further along you get, you get new items and whatnot to help you progress through these new environments. Like they're, they're tools. Um, and especially in later parts of the game, they kind of like test the way how you can use these tools, like, with each other. Like, there's a part where it's like, oh, you have to climb this wall with an axe, and you have to wall jump, then you have to, like, use this dash to, uh, use this little pogo move onto a bed of spikes, but then you gotta shoot yourself up. It's like, it, it, it teaches you things just by looking at the level design, and then you think, like, can I do this while I'm also doing this? And then when you realize that you can, it's really satisfying, it's really fun, and it feels good to do. Um... So yeah, it's like the only Metroidvania game that I played that made me notice how good and how fun the control is, as well as the platforming. Uh, and the battle system is kind of like where I see a bit of its, uh, a bit of its inspiration because it pulls some stuff from Valkyria, no, Valkyrie Profile, I think that's what it's called. Like you look at the battle system in that game, then you look at the one in here, it's pretty note for note, the same kind of game, uh, where each character is assigned to a button 
And then it kind of acts as a fighting game where you try to like rack up as much combos as you can. You got a special meter. Each character has like their own special moves. Uh, but what I like about this game, and I, I didn't realize this until after I beat it, is that there's no items like whatsoever. Like, like you get like a spear to help you like, like climb the ceiling or you get like an axe if you climb like a wall. But like you don't have armor. You know, you don't have different types of weapons that you use to like upgrade. Like you don't have, you don't get like multiple types of axes. You can get like one axe, one spear, one bow. But again, like those are more of like tools, not so much like battle mechanics. It don't affect the battles too, too much. Um, so I found that really interesting. So it feels more skill based. Like you can't rely on like potions or revives as a crutch. You know, you have to like learn the mechanics of the game in order to win. Shocking, I know. Um, but honestly, like, the game is kind of easy after when you know what you're doing and it also does have that issue that bloodstain has where it gives you a lot of like this game there's a lot of party members right and what i like about it is that each party member feels completely unique from one another and they all have like their own attacks their own buffs and their own stats and whatnot that makes them feel unique and it's fun to experiment and play around with them see what they have to the table but the issue is that you know there's a lot of them but once when you find that core group that really clicks with your play style there's not really a whole lot of incentive to switch to those other characters other than your own curiosity. But aside from that, like, again, like the platforming was fun. Exploration was a lot of fun as well, though. There is this one part in the game where you you are forced to backtrack. And I didn't like that. Like, it, it kind of opens up and you think that like, oh, hey, look, uh, you can now go to these three areas. Pick, pick which one you want to go to. But no matter which one that you pick, you're going to have to backtrack to another location to get a skill, and then you have to go back to that place to progress, you know, and to clear that area. Like, that's, there's only one time where that happens, but it's still pretty lousy. Um, and I heard some people say that this game is kind of a disappointment when you compare it to Skullgirls, which, because, like, they, uh, Lab Zero worked on Skullgirls, and they also made this. I haven't played Skullgirls, so I can't say how this compares, but, I mean, I, I, I don't think this game would be an easy game to make. Uh, it's very story driven. It's, uh, you know, the again, like it runs at a mostly consistent 60 frames per second. But if you run like really, really fast, it like it dips pretty hard and it can even glitch out. I have one point where it even crashed my game, so it's not necessarily optimized the greatest. And I played on Xbox. I don't know how it does on PC. Um, like like this, there there's a lot of flaws and a lot of issues. It's rough around the edges, but like. I don't know, man, just like playing the game itself, like what you actually do in this game is a lot of fun. Uh, the setting I thought was really cool. It's about like it takes place in countries like in the east. So you got places like uh, India, Japan, China, Vietnam, like all of these places are like are are. You explore places that are themed after this in like the story of the game, like the themes of this game kind of like reflect that. So you got themes of like reincarnation, life after death. Uh, the characters are really fleshed out. Like it's, it's a very, it's a, it's a, the story itself is kind of cliche in some areas, but like the actual like events that happen, the character moments, the characters themselves, I thought they were well-written. So I, I really liked this game. It kind of feels like if I'm rambling, so I'll, I'll wrap it up. I, I enjoyed this game quite a bit. It was worth the wait 20 hours to beat. So I think that's fair for like $40 game. So it's yeah, on it. sale right now, so I'm gonna hop that. I'm gonna put I that into my cart. So I own it, but I just have not had time. I think mm. you would like it. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm actually working on a video about it. Make the, know, video, make the video. Ago. Make the video. Make the video. Make the video. 
I'm about, I have like 10 more minutes to edit and then that's it. Yay. So, at the time of this recording, so. Subscribe to Ryan's YouTube channel. <laughs> Sub Again. Subscribe to JebTube. JebTube? Uh, but like, this is the only game I ever backed, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad as hell that I backed it and it was definitely worth the wait. I, um, I really liked it, so. Yeah. All right. Hey, Docs. Uh, my turn? Yeah, what's the game you played? Uh, I I want to quickly just touch on one that I assume nobody has played. Do you, have you ever played Katamari Damacy? No. Uh, no. years ago. All right. Katamari Damacy is like one of the most unique and interesting games of all time. You, everybody knows what it is. You roll up the balls. Oh, you're going to talk about Wattam, aren't you? I'm going to talk about Wattam, made by the same guy. The, I haven't the, played it, but I know where you're going. Cause yeah, the genius behind Katamari Damacy is Wattam. I was really yeah. excited for this game because I love Katamari Damacy. It's probably one of my favorite games of all time. Um, and Wattam is an interesting experience. It's 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 a game about making friends essentially. You're you're linking up with a bunch of different entities in your world and and you're doing a bunch of different tasks with them. So like at one point um like you you start out in a world, you're a mayor with no friends. You get some rocks. They become sentient and then you hold hands with them and you start jumping around and you can explode them and launch them into space. And then after you do that, um, you can turn the mayor into a fruit. And then, uh, <laughs> then a fork will come from space and uh, a mouth and a mouth can eat the the fruit and put like, I don't even know what it does. It, I think it turns it into poop. Yeah, it turns it into poop. So you turn into poop, and then the poop can get flushed down the toilet, and the poop can turn gold, and there are these bunch of different systems at play that are all really interesting. This um, game sounds like Attack of the Mutant Killer Penguins for the Atari Jaguar. <laughs> what? <laughs> what kind of reference? What a deep cut. <laughs> what? <laughs> I know You're such a is. boomer. <laughs> There's that one guy in the comment section. There he is. Well, now I have to look up attack. He it. referenced my no favorite game. Thing. I don't even. The Atari. I'm, I'm the Atari so Jaguar. Confused. Oh, I see. AVGN episode. Okay. Um, <laughs> All you need to know. Uh, it's like the most. Batshit crazy you, game You derailed ever. the entire. It it is. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, you're you're so good. Michael Michael's the best person. He he just un, he understands me on a spiritual level. Like my mind isn't even processing things he says. Like but they're there in my brain, but they're just not accessed yet. Michael's like Cortana. Watam looks good. It's fun. Although I've never played Katamari. Well, I played a level of Katamari, but... Katamari Damacy um, Reroll is on Steam, and it's on sale. You should all go buy it. But Wadham is really fun, too. Uh, that's all I have to say. It just looks interesting, because I don't know what you really... 
I don't really know what the objective of the game is, but I'm just kind of interested to see what That's it's the like thing. to play. I didn't either, and there is really no objective. Like, it, it goes... Yeah, that sounds kind of intriguing to me. It's it's just like, like it, just it, it rolls out like. different things you have to do. Like, um, there are different uh, conditions you have to do to advance to the next weird thing that's happening, if you understand. Yeah. Um... It's not like Katamari Damacy where there are levels. It's it's very much like a sandbox, kind of. But not a sandbox in the way that like you're exploring. It's more so like you're building stuff and you're constantly getting thrown new things to play around with. It's like a simulator thing uh, type mm -hmm. vibe, but it's really good. Um... Another quick game I want to touch on is called Jump King. I don't know if you've you've probably heard of it. I've heard of Jump Force. Yeah, we're not talking no, about that. Jump King. <laughs> Jump, <laughs> Jump King is like Jump. it's Jump King is this infuriating 2D platformer that's um like based around you hold the button and you're advancing up a bunch of screens to try to reach uh, a babe at the top. That that's literally what you do. Um, <laughs> it's fun. It's really challenging to get the the jumps down and everything. But I was playing it with my friends, and uh, I was having a good time. That's it for that. Just wanted to mention it. It's pretty good. Um, I I want to talk about Sekiro: Shadows Die Twice. Who has I played Sekiro? Am scared of this game. I have a have story you played? about this yeah, game, yeah. actually. Go ahead. Huh? Go ahead, baby. Oh, yeah. So, Black Friday came, and it was a thing, and I saw that Sekiro was in this box thing that said $6. I'm like, I can get fucking Sekiro for $6? Why the fuck not? And so I go there, and I get- oh, oh, by the way, this was at fucking Walmart, by the way. I was dragged to fucking Walmart, I found this game. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, $6 for Sekiro. Great. And so I go to and so I go to the I go to checkout and then she scans the thing and it was like $30. I'm like, oh, um, excuse me, I, I found this in the $6 bin. Like there was like piles of this game in the $6 bin. And she goes, it's $30! I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> you should have been so that I, asshole I, I that's like, it's $6, it's $6. I mean, she had like a gap in between her teeth and she, she was really nasty and mean. So I was like, you know what? Fine. Sure. Fuck you. Just, I need to... Hey, Docs, here's my thing. I wanted to get the hell out of there because I hate Walmart. <laughs> We're back at Walmart again. We came full circle. What the I fuck? fucking hated it. That, I, I hate that place. Imagine being a fucking Walmart on Black Friday. You know what? No, you you, just, you like come hell. and then you go. You, yeah. you make it as quick and as painless as possible. It fucking sucks. I hate Walmart. So I got cheated out of Sekiro for $6 and instead I got it for 30 Haven't played it yet because I'm too scared. The game looks so hard. But um, I'm glad it won Game of the Year. It deserves it. King K, have you played Sekiro? Yeah, I have. Um, yeah. And uh, I thought it was great. This game is probably my second favorite From Software game next to Bloodborne, I would say. Um, uh, maybe. Yeah, I, I would say it's, that it would, personally yeah. because, like, I found, um... The, the combat, for me, I described it as, like, a game of tug-of-war, almost. Like, mm -hmm. uh, you, you know. Does, yeah. It, it's... It does feel like that. But it's, it's so... Play. 
Yeah, it's so engaging. It reminded me of a uh, fucking Wii Wii fencing. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It does kind of feel like that because the entire game is based around parrying. Yeah. Well, it's more like parrying and jumping and yeah. like. It's a lot more moment to moment intense than Dark Souls or Bloodborne. Yeah, for like, sure. It's not just that it has a faster pace. It's more like combat feels way more involved than any of the other Dark Souls games. Yeah. Where like you have to you have to react to sword swings in a way where you like you do a parry and then you wait a few seconds, you do another parry and then like another sword swing could come and it's like in a regular rhythm. Yeah. Of stuff you have to do and if they're doing like an over like a wide slash with like an indicator you have to jump over it because you can't parry it and stuff like that it's or almost like it, a, it's gonna damage your posture and yes stuff. yes and that's it's almost like a rhythm really game you know it's it. yeah. it's very much a dance of of reactions and going in with the movement and getting into the groove uh i i found that combat very engrossing i found the world so fun to explore and hop around in I also felt I always hate stealth in video games. I feel like usually stealth is always tacked on. It's like you press a button and it's not really a developed concept. But here stealth was like a a huge aspect. Like if you got the the stealth drop on a boss, you could eliminate one of their health bars right away or their orbs or whatever. Um and like I found that really fun to do and and experimenting with different approaches to boss fights and everything was great. Uh the I think it's cool how he has the little grapply arm. I yeah, the that that mechanic was cool too. Like that's um, the thing that like kinda like made me look at him and be like, Oh, this looks kinda cool. Then I I hear about like how the game has like a large focus on like parrying and, and, and dodging. I'm like, mm. Cause I always suck at parrying in Dark Souls and the other Soulsborne games. Like this is it's it's very intuitive, I would say, Ryan. I, I I came in with the same thing of like I I'm really bad at timing in games like this where there's a lot of pressure, but you you get into the groove of it it like once you stick with it. Um, this game was pretty hard. I enjoyed that too. I always like a big challenge. The music was really fucking fantastic in this. Uh, I love the art style. I I love uh, this Japan setting. Um, all of the bosses were super interesting. I love the story. That ending. What? Oh man, I don't want to spoil it, but you know, like when he goes to pray and that thing comes up, King K. You know mm. what I'm talking about? Like the yeah. Stay Puff Marshmallow Man kind of deal. <laughs> like yeah. I, I really like that. The ape with its head, how the head comes off. There's so many memorable moments in this game that I enjoyed. Bloodborne is still my yeah. favorite. I still fucking love Bloodborne the most. It's... <sighs> you know, so I also good. played a Soulsborne-like game that has Japanese influence, but I'll, I'll talk about that later. What did you play? <laughs> what, what was I talking about. Code Vein? You know, well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, yeah, I play Code Vein. I I heard it wasn't that good. <sighs> it's, it's, it gets 
better once when you like. I mean, like, do we do you want to talk about? Are we talking about Code Vein? I'll, I'll get this out of the way. Has anyone here played Covain, or is it just me? No, I have not um, played okay. Covain. All right, we'll 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 make this quick. Uh, Covain is pretty much like uh, it's, it's like the Soulsborne like games, mostly in terms of its combat, and it, it tries to do what it does with the level design, but I think it fails because it just makes every single area look exactly the same. Like every single area is a fucking map. And it's also, like, littered with bottomless pits and narrow paths. So, you know, oh, hey, yeah, let's just plop this giant round enemy that takes up, like, the entire path. And then you have to kill it, but in order to kill it, you have to roll around and stab on its back. But if you roll around, you're gonna roll off the cliff and fucking die! There's a lot of shit like that. But, I mean, I think for what it does, it's, in some ways, it's kind of easier because you do have a party member with you at all times. And they can help alleviate some of the stress that you would find in a Souls 4 game. So, like, you can, like, play the caster and, like, lean back and, like, puff, or uh, you can, like, buff up your party member while he takes care of an enemy. Or, like, uh, like let's say if you die, he can, like, give you some of his health. You know, so there's, like, things like that. There are a lot of really interesting mechanics here. You know, I don't think it's necessarily a bad game. Like I said, once when you learn how everything works, it does pick up and it becomes, you know, there, there is fun to have. And it also has like the best character creation in like any game I've ever played. So, you know, props to that. Um, you know, the setting is cool. The the, the story is kind of interesting. It's like you're, you're vampires and, and, and you're, you're looking for blood. Yeah. <laughs> There's like a lot more of like melodramatic shit that happens in between. But like, I mean, it's it's interesting. I'd say wait for a sale, but like it's it's far from a bad game, but at the same time it's still I thought it was gonna be something completely different. So you know, it's 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 alright. Seven out of ten. Alright. <laughs> Seven out of ten. Michael, <laughs> Michael, catch, like, people catch. love it though. People people love it. Like I, I people would say like this game is fucking amazing. I'm like, uh I don't know, I don't see it. But you know, you play enough of it, it's like nah. You know, maybe for some of some maybe maybe some of it was my fault, but like, you know, th there were stupid things in this game. But at the same time, it does a lot right, so it's all right. Go ahead, go ahead, Michael. How, Michael, how you I'm gonna blow oh. a kiss. Ready? Catch it, and then it's your turn. <laughs> got it. Caught it. Yeah, I got it. Um, Michael, have you uh, question? Uh, did you play Astral Chain? Yes, I did play Astral Chain. I haven't finished right, it man. yet. I haven't finished it either. But how'd you like it? Uh, well, I've, I'm about, like, I want to say, like, six files in. Um, I'm on, like, chapter seven. Yeah, so you and I stopped around the same area. Um, yeah. Really compelling, interesting narrative. Uh, yeah. Interesting world. Decent characters. It has actual emotions and characterization, and the voice acting's really good. Um, I can see the twist of the, the third act twist of who the real villain is coming a mile away. They couldn't make it more obvious yeah. if they tried, but... Uh, it's, it's right in the fucking beginning of the game. <laughs> oh, yeah. But there was there was a moment after that where I thought, well, maybe he, he won't be the main villain after all. But then there was, like, another scene, like, after, like, the fourth level where it's like, oh, yeah, he definitely is. Uh, but... Yeah, I mean, it's just... It's interesting to see how far Platinum Games has come since it started making games. I mean, it's, it's not like Bayonetta was, like, a 
shoddy amateurish production or anything, but Astral Chain really does feel like they're spreading their wings somewhat and growing as a company. Um, I the combat has some interesting elements to it where you essentially have these summons and um, you can unlock more of them as the game goes on and they each have different special abilities um, and you can upgrade them and clean them like Pokemon or something. Um, you can even give them little colors. You can make them like red. And, and I haven't unlocked any of those yet. I don't know where you get them. Really? Um, uh, I don't know. <laughs> uh, but like, you can unlock like a, you can unlock like an empty slot for them, uh, and you can just make them like whatever color you want. Oh, uh, oh uh, yeah. I guess I haven't figured out how to do that yet. But the combat. That's one thing I like about this game, though, is that it like there's a lot of just like little things you can find in <clears throat> in the nooks and crannies. Which is kind of weird for a, a platinum game. Like this game is a lot slower paced than you'd think it'd be. But then it, it it gives you a lot of time to explore these areas, talk with the NPCs, a lot of world building. Yeah, you know, like it, it's telling you no, take your time, pick up that trash can. You're a good little cop, so you put that in the recycling bin. You know, I like that kind of stuff. There's a lot of side quests and stuff. You know, it you wouldn't expect from a platinum game, but lo and behold, it feels it feels very flushed out. Um, the the game's combat is a little weird. Like you only have one attack button, uh, but at the same time you also have your summon your legion, and you can use you could do kind of interesting things with that. Like you can use the astral chain to like tie enemies up so that they can't move, and then you can like go around and hit them in the back for critical damage uh you have like your weapon can transform into multiple configurations like you have one that's like a gun you have another one that's kind of like a fast strike and then you have another one that's like a buster sword that does more damage um and i guess your legions have like special moves you can unlock but i haven't really experimented with that yet um the enemy i will say that the bosses i'm play. i played it on uh I'm, or rather, I'm playing it on Platinum Standard difficulty. Because um, I didn't want it to be too easy, but it seems like the bosses and some of the enemies are really fucking beefy. And I keep getting D ranks, and I don't really know what exactly I need to be doing better. Which was a Bayonetta problem as well. Those games have horrible... Like, in terms... Like, a, they're always really easy to pick up and play, but, like, actually getting good at Bayonetta is not well tutorialized in the game itself. It just, they just throw all these affordances at you and expect you to master them without guiding you through it. Which is a design problem that this game kind of shares as well. Uh, but it's not as button mashy as Nier Autotoma was, I guess. Like, there's more of, like, actual strategy in this. Uh, I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, I'm liking it so far. The structure's starting to get repetitive, though, because it seems like you go to a place, then you go to the phantom ruby dimension and fight some chimeras and then you come back and then that that's every chapter so far so yeah this yeah i mean like i kept the experience i kept expecting to hear the phantom ruby sound effect throughout this game <laughs> which is weird the astral plane yeah yeah like this is a game that i've picked up and put down multiple times but like it, it's it, for me it's a game that's kind of hard to pick up but then once when you pick it up it's hard to put down if that makes any sense yeah it's a good um, switch game i should say yeah. like it it fits the hardware 
Like I've played this game on both docked and portable. The game's only 30 FPS, which was a turnoff at first. Because it's like Bayonetta is only 720p on Switch, but it runs at 60 FPS and it runs better than it did on Wii U. So it, that was already an upgrade. But then this game has really nice art style, actually. Like I really, oh, it yeah. looks really nice. Um, despite the fact that all the textures are blurry and shit, but it looks, it has a nice art style, but it's just that 30 FPS. And it's like the game, strangely, like it, it uses nearest neighbor scaling on the portable mode. It runs at like 600B and then it like uses nearest neighbor scaling, which is really bizarre, but I think I like it better because it's actually sharp. It kind of, I kind of like how it looks in dock mode or portable mode, actually. But I've played a little, a little bit of it in both, and it's, it's like while I was waiting for my renders to finish for Banjo Kazooie Grunty's Revenge recently, like I just pop open some Astral Chain and play that for a little bit and be like, oh, this narrative's really compelling. I want to, I want to know where it goes next. Oh, my render's done. Then I, you know, set it to sleep mode and get back to work. It works well on Switch. It's, it's a good Switch game. And it feels like something really inspired that Platinum wanted to make. They took a risk, some risks with this game. It feels different from the other things they've made before. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm I'm enjoying it so far. Uh, I'm I, I'm gonna be honest. I'm not sure if I'm ever gonna finish it. I mean, I'll try to, but that's kind of a problem with a lot of games that came out this year. Is that like I'm really into this. And then I get bored with it, and then I drop it. And that kind of has already happened to me with, uh... Halo Reach? Which came out on PC this year. Ryan, Ryan I know you love this game. King K, I know you're making a video about it. Personally, I... Yeah, I'm making a video specifically about the final level, because it's might be my favorite Halo level ever. It it's yeah i love it but i gotta be honest guys the entire time i was playing it on pc i was just thinking about how happy i'll be when halo 1 comes out on pc again you know to be honest i don't blame you because halo reach feels way different than one through three like and i like that but you can definitely tell that it's not really like <laughs> There's something about 1 through 3 that all feel kind of the same, if you know what I mean. Like... There, I think what it is, is that... For one thing, I thought the narrative in 1 and 2 was way more interesting than Reach's. Because Reach is a tragedy, which is fine. Yeah, but yeah, Reach is definitely different in tone than the Master Chief, like, blowing up the Pillar of Autumn. <laughs> 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 yeah, but it's... And I, I will say that as far don't, as, like, don't the noble... It. As far as the noble team goes... Um, I thought that there was more interesting characters, like, my problem with 3 is that the characters are so fucking boring. It's like, all of the actual <laughs> great character stuff with the Arbiter was finished by the end of 2, and then they had to pad 3 out to make it a saleable length. And then all the interesting stuff happens in like the last 10 minutes. Yeah, I love Halo 3, but I feel that with the Arbiter a little bit. Um, so with- but He does have some interesting moments, I think, though, in 3. It's just yeah, it takes a long time like, to get there. Um, <laughs> and then with Halo 3 ODST, which I haven't finished yet, but it felt like there was at least some character there with the ODST team and, like, Buck and Ve uh, Dare. And, like, the twist that comes at, like, the two-thirds mark was actually interesting in that game. Um... 
Then with Reach, it felt like kind of that same way for Noble Team, like their identifiable characteristics. George just speaks Hungarian. That's just like a little detail. Cat uh, has the robot arm and is like the, you know, the technically savvy member of the team. Uh, I couldn't tell you a single thing about Emil or June, but, you know, three out of five ain't bad. Um, Whoa, wait, Emil? Really? The one that has, like, the skull face on his helmet? The, the psychopath who loves killing things with the machete and the shotgun. Well, that must come later in the game, because he hasn't really done anything yet. I I got I to the level where favorite. you go into the longsword and fly around in space, and then I ran into this glitch where, essentially, um, I died just as the checkpoint set in. So I kept respawning and get dying over and over, and it's like, well, I guess I gotta replay the whole level. But it's just like the game, it feels like Halo 1 and 2 are games with very simple mechanics, but they give you lots of moment-to-moment -moment decision making and affordances that make it interesting. It's like, it's what it's a textbook case of an elegant game. Like a very simple game with very simple systems, but you're always kept on your toes with heavy tension. And it has really good narrative in both of the first two games that keeps you pushing, keeps pushing you forward. With Halo Reach, it feels like we've had the same, fundamentally same mechanics for like five games now. And the arm, the new Spartan abilities honestly aren't that interesting. I barely use them. The weapons are the same thing we've been using over and over again. The plot is just Covenant is unstoppable and doesn't really evolve much from that from what I've played so far. It just it feels like a Call of Duty game with a Halo skin. I don't know how else to describe it. It doesn't feel like Halo and I think part of the reason is it doesn't have that forerunner element which even ODST had to some extent. It doesn't have you know like this galaxy expansive lore that the first few games had. It doesn't have Guilty Spark who was really interesting in the first game. Um, it doesn't have the humor of the other games either, which tonally wouldn't have been appropriate, but it's just like, even the grunts don't sound like grunts. You know, and without that humorous undertone that said, take this seriously, but don't take it too seriously. It just doesn't feel like Halo. And I don't know, I'll probably finish it eventually, I'm... but... I mean, I, I, I know it doesn't really feel like the other games, but like... Like, I, I think that having the Forerunner elements would have been way, way too jarring. Because I, I understand why it's not mostly, in this game. It, it's mostly associated with the Halo ring itself, and this is more about the focus on the actual planet Reach in the story Which that I don't, happens there. I, I'm going to be honest with you, Ryan. I don't care about Reach. It was just no, some I mean, background that's... detail in the other games. I didn't need a whole game about it. That's fine. I, I get it. But like, I remember uh, King K was even talking about this too, where it's like, you know, it's, you know, not every Halo game needs to have like the Master Chief or the Halo rings or the Forerunner stuff. Like this is a story in the Halo universe. And that's also part of the well, reason like why I like it. Well, it's like ODST didn't have rings either, but it did have the engineers, which was something. Yeah, yeah that's fair. But again, it's just, it's a story set in the Halo universe. Yeah, I, I, it's just the one that I gravitated towards. One thing I also like about it is that the Spartan, <laughs> these, <coughs> I'm dying. The Spartan that you create, cause like the thing is with this game is that in the beginning of the vanilla Halo Reach, the first thing that you do is you customize your Spartan, right? 
And then that's the Spartan that you use in the campaign. But in, in this Master Chief re-release or whatever, the, the this new version of the Master Chief collection, you don't really get to do that because the unlock system, the progression system, completely sucks ass now. And it highly limit it highly limits your customization choices. And I hate it. Because like I think that's also part of the reason why I enjoy Halo Reach so much is because it's supposed to be like, no, you are Noble Six. Like you make your you make your character in the very beginning of the game. You gotta customize the way how he or she looks, and then that's you. Like you are playing as this character, you're watching all of this unfold. And without that customization, I think it loses a lot of the impact that this game would have had. It would have it it, it you know, it wouldn't have made, for me anyways, that last mission, it wouldn't have that kind of impact that it would have had because it's you in that situation. I, I don't know if I want to spoil it for you, XO. I don't know if you even know what happens. I, I know what happens. I've seen your top 10 yeah. favorite games list. Yeah, like, I don't want to, like, like, I don't know. Like, if that, if that wasn't me, if I was just playing as some Joe Schmo, like, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been as impactful. So, it's like, I was the one who did that. It was me. So, you know. I get it. I don't think it's a game for everybody, but I love yeah. it. Uh, it makes me feel things. Yes. But I think I felt more for the Arbiter in Halo 2. That's all I'm going to say. That's fair. So, yeah, that was uh, Master Chief Collection. Um, Luigi's Mansion 3 is something most of us have played, right? It's a yeah. game that I actually want to play, which is which is weird coming from me because I thought the original Luigi's Mansion was boring as shit and the second one looked so bland, but this one actually looks pretty darn good. And I think not, it's the best Luigi's lie. Mansion game. Man. You know, Michael, I would agree with you honestly. It it although one is still like up there in terms of one of my favorite games due to nostalgia in terms of uh how this game is designed presented and especially the co-op option um it's i i i would agree with you michael because it, it I, really I, does feel like a marriage of the first two games in yeah. a way that removes the weaker aspects of both um because it's like and it really does feel like they responded to all the criticisms of dark moon in a constructive way and like if you want boss ghosts that actually look distinct they those are back they don't talk or anything and they don't really have any character but they tried they look different the boss fights in this game are actually very very good i will say like all of, the, all of the portrait ghosts in the first game were just, oh, solve some little mini puzzle and then suck them up and then that's it. Whereas every portrait or boss ghost in this game has a unique boss fight that's actually really clever and interesting. Um, except for when you're fighting Cletus in the sewers, which was the worst thing ever. Uh, I know his name is actually Clem, but come on, his, his real name is Cletus. Um... Yeah, that's that boss sucked, but everything else I thought was pretty pretty solid, and um, I like from the story is kind of iffy, but it's better than Dark Moons, where they like try to pretend that King Boo coming back is some kind of big impactful twist, but you know it from like frame one of the game that he's in the game, so it 
has no impact at all. And then the fact that Egad just sold his painting gallery between games and then forgot about it is so stupid. They don't do anything like that. Um, I like that they actually tried to have a secondary antagonist that had some character. Um, like, Kevin Gravely, actually, like, you know, she's she looks like uh, Samara from The Ring in reality, but she, like, uses makeup to, like, cover it up. It was something. Uh, her boss fight was really good. Um, I liked, like, they we're back to one mansion again, but in terms of variety and making everything feel distinct, this is the most interesting setting of any of the three games. Um, they completely took out, uh, like, the first game had the area clear screens, like, whenever you beat, like, the big boss, it would go to, uh, that screen where it would tally up your progress, and then Dark Moon obviously brought that back for the mission structure. Uh, they got rid of that altogether, it's one cohesive, uninterrupted experience. And it's like, now that I've played that version of Luigi's Mansion, it becomes easier to understand why people didn't like it in the other games. Um, so, they improved that. Uh, this game looks fantastic. It is the best looking game on the Switch by far. And it actually runs at 1080p and 720p Yay. in portable mode. Which I thought was but really does it impressive. Run six, but does it run 60 frames per second? It runs at 30, but it's a really smooth 30. Like, I, I couldn't... Oh, um, <laughs> the textures are really sharp and nice. The animations look fantastic. Like, Luigi has never felt more alive and more real than he does in this game. And the same thing goes for Mario and Princess Peach, too. Um, I like when Mario says doggy. <laughs> doggy! Well, Polterpup is... Polterpup is still, like, the most adorable, though. He, he reminds me of Gabe. Um, I saw the hmm. animation of Egad running when he was following Luigi. Oh, yeah. and I just, yeah. that's so <laughs> like, what the fuck is he doing? <laughs> yeah. It's... It, I will say that is one thing that was extremely lazy is that they've been recycling the same three voice clips for EGAD for like 18 years now. Like they can't they can't get Kazumi Totaka to come into the recording booth and record some new lines for God's sake. It's like how like those PS3 Ratchet games kept using the same death grunts from Ratchet 1 where he wasn't even voiced by the same person. It's lazy. But you know, if that's the worst I could say about this game, like I mean like the other Luigi's Mansion games, the mechanics are very limited. It's a game that starts out elegant, but as it goes on, like, the the mechanics aren't that deep, and they don't expand that much. So, like, eventually it starts to get boring. It's just the fact of it. But for me, personally, like, the variety of the visuals and the really solidly constructed boss fights, they added some new mechanics with the plunger thing and Gooigi, which made... That was enough to carry the game for me. And it was just long enough that it felt like it's it's longer than the first game. Uh, maybe not as long as Dark Moon, but it sure felt more engaging than Dark Moon. So I thought it was I thought it was a really good game. Um, it was one of those things where like once I started playing, I couldn't really put it down. So and considering for I was me, it felt kind of like a theme park yeah visit because like you it's it's like you go to each floor and you just get a new slice of weird shit like they they even put just, paul blart mall cop in this game which i thought yeah. was really weird <laughs> yeah 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 
It's just, it's got a lot of personality and I love going to a new floor and being like, well, what's going to be on this floor? And it was just a nice little surprise box the entire game until you get to the end and yeah. And I really like what they do with Guiji and some of the puzzle solving and I really liked getting all the secrets as well. There's some really well oh, yeah. secret I, gems. I am genuinely excited to play this game and this is coming from your avid Mario hate hater over here. So I think that, yeah, I think this Let's, is one that maybe could even win you over, Ryan, because I mean, like. Because, like, I mean, the thing, I saw the trailers for this game, and I thought it looked like, you know, it, it looked whatever. It looked like Luigi's Mansion. But then, like, I'm actually seeing this game in action. I, I saw Nitro Rad do a video on this. I'm like, okay, no, this video, or this game looks actually really good. Then I saw even more videos about it, like, you know, talking about the game and such. And I'm like, okay, no, this game actually looks pretty damn good. On your server, I saw people talking about Luigi's Mansion 3. I'm like, okay, no. This game looks and sounds pretty fucking incredible. Uh, it's like Ryan, I saw the animations and all that. It looks great. Yeah, I mean, it's like you're always talking about how Mario just lacks a je ne sais quoi, like a personality to it. A personality, an identity, anything. But this game has well, it. Luigi's Mansion yeah. 3 has a shit ton of personality. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm really eager to try this game out. Let that say something. I think a good way to describe it is like... So, like, mechanically, it starts out kind of good, and then, like, by the end, like Michael said, it can get a little, like, stretching itself thin, maybe. And I feel like it's... The best exemplification of how I feel is with the booze, where, like, at first, I was kind of like, oh, okay, this is kind of interesting. And then by the end, I was like, I really don't want to find another boo. And... But, much like the game, the... <laughs> The act of slamming a boo into the ground repeatedly is just so satisfying that I'm kind of like, oh, I'll see you through to the end. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, especially after playing Luigi's Mansion 1. And they're, yeah, they're there's something about, the like, and that's, like, Luigi's Mansion 3 as a whole for me, where, like, aesthetically, visually, uh, like, auditory, auditorily, audio, sonically, so, sonically, it's good, is, is <laughs> so, like, it's pleasing in so many other ways that, like, even though it kind of mechanically feels a tiny bit drawn out by, like, the final floors, I, I finished the game, I was like, wow, that was really wholesome and fun and, like, like it was like a theme park ride, I guess. The, the soundtrack like was really earlier. good, too. It's, it's a very similar style yeah. to Dark Moon, but that game was just like, let's just keep using the clarinet in every single song. Like, this, the soundtrack in this game is much more varied and a lot stronger overall, I thought. I also think it's, um, it carries a lot of ideas from one and two and just kind of like consolidates them better. Like across both one and two, there are just more bosses like in total. Oh yeah. And I think almost all of them are interesting as opposed to like one and two where like some of the bosses were interesting and some of them weren't and in three they're just like well almost every boss is great and I'm well except for and Cletus and the sewers that's the only exception I th I thought Cletus was fun you you I thought know, constantly you slamming into spikes and having to reinflate that stupid duck was fun yeah, because I slammed into the spikes like a few times and I was like, okay, let's be careful. That was like the only Gooigi part of the game really I died cool on. Twice. I liked the challenge of trying to use Guiji and Luigi at the same time while Cletus is like chasing you with weird minds and stuff. I don't know. I guess I just like the way that thing controls. 
Uh, I did not. I thought that I thought that that rubber duck controlled like garbage. I, like I, don't know, I really like that floor, to be honest. I especially like the rest of it was okay, but <sighs> regardless, it was it was a good game. I recommend it. It's yeah, like I don't know if I'd say it's my favorite game of the year, but it was the most charming and the one that actually attracted my attention enough that I finished it right away. Whereas everything else, like even the things I liked. Uh, like Astral Chain, I'm not even sure I'm gonna finish Astral Chain. So, all right. Well, uh, hey, Dox, what did you think about Luigi's Mansion Three? Uh, pretty much the same. I the only thing is that I thought some of the co-op was okay, pretty fun. Uh, but other times when you are separated from uh real Luigi. And you're playing as Gooigi and you have those segments where you have to go between the bars and regular Luigi can do nothing but stand around. Like that that stands out to me as not good co-op. I like to play this game in co-op. Uh but some of it was better than others. I still need to finish it. Uh no, I finished it. Sorry. I wanna get all the gems. That's what I gotta do. Um, ugh. I'm tired. I had a monster, so I'm okay. I can go uh, for a few more hours. A few more the hours fastest well, way to the Naboo would be going through the planet core. Well, I, I feel like, in terms of games to discuss, there aren't that many left. I got a handful. We, we have Devil May Cry 5, Fire Emblem. Link's Awakening. Oh yeah, Link's Awakening. I, I I actually was not expecting to like Link's Awakening, the remake, but I actually like it quite a bit. I, You're I like wrong. It more than the original, I, which wow. might be blasphemy to some, but I just I think it makes a lot of good quality of life improvements. That's not blasphemy to me. Only two ones to work with. So I mean, mm, like, I would agree, I would agree that it does make some quality of life improvements. <laughs> it has like a weird Zelda maker though, and I don't like it. Oh, that thing is fucking awful. Everything like, related to that thing is fucking awful. Like, I, I, I would still like an actual Zelda maker, but what they have there is not very good. It's, yeah. it's, it's, well, it, it also uh, places a lot of your collectibles with chamber stones, which I really appreciated. Thought yeah. was great. Like, like your heart pieces. Yeah. Yeah. I like that you have to go through Dompe's stupid fucking missions to get heart pieces. But you know, aside from that, that was a really great change. I love that. Yeah. Is that going to be like an interesting remake or rebreak episode? Ah. No. The way okay, the way I see it is that it does a lot of cool quality of life things and then makes some things worse. And it's just really middling. Ah, if it means anything, I like this a lot more than Majora's Mask 3D. I don't know. A lot of people have a problem with the reasons I don't like this game, the remake. Uh, and I think it's because to be frank, I just don't like, this didn't need to happen, I don't think. And if it needed to happen, it needed to be something like Resident Evil 2 Remake, which is basically a reimagining. 
like I, I'm starting to get a little tired of remakes that are like okay so like Resident Evil 1 and 2 remake while a lot of especially the first game is very faithful they change so many things fundamentally especially the second one that I'm like okay this honestly just feels like a new like a remix like a, a new game entirely almost and I'm like wow that's really worthwhile and then sometimes you get remakes that are like Link's Awakening where it's like yeah you you don't get a text box when you walk into a rock without the power bracelet like that's good there are a lot of changes like that that are good but then it's like it's the same game with a worse frame rate with new additions like the dungeon maker that feel completely pointless and actually make a lot of the collectibles feel useless because chamber stones are useless unless you like Dompe's awful dungeon maker and the fact that you have to now do Dompe's awful dungeon maker to get some of those extras is just kind of like well now this feels really weird and obtuse and like now you have to choose between them and i hate i fucking hate remakes where it's like oh this the original has strengths and the remake has strengths because then you're like oh for fuck's sake which like now it's like this decision where you're like well which one am i gonna fucking play doesn't that sound it like just, majora's mask it kind of is honestly yeah. like and, and, like, obviously people are going to prefer one over the other. Like, that's just inevitable. I obviously prefer one over the other. But, like, the fact that people have to make that choice in the first place kind of feels like a failure of a remake, in my opinion. Like, the point of yep. it. I mean, the way Where, how like, I also see it, like, with Majora's Mask, is that you have the original for, like, the more dedicated, the more hardcore fans, you know, the people who grew up with it. And then you have Majora's Mask 3D for the people who didn't grow up with Majora's Mask or who couldn't get into Majora's Mask when it came out, but it made it more accessible. It made it easier, it, you know, it, it tweaked some things that hardcore fans like myself disagreed with, but at the same time, it got people to experience the game in some capacity, which You know, I'll say something actually, Ryan. Yeah. Um, I'm also critical of Majora's Mask 3D, but I don't think I ever truly understood, like, the perspective of that debacle of, like, people who didn't like the remake until Link's Awakening happened, and I'm like, Okay, I, I understand now. Like, Because <laughs> the, the problem is, I played Majora's Mask 3D first. Right. So I did not have that lens of, like, having played the original first. But I played Link's Awakening before the remake, and I'm like, oh, this is, like, some of it's better, but a lot of it completely misses the point. And I'm like, I can kind of see why people are a little peeved at Majora's Mask 3D now. See, one of the, the fun thing about that is I also kind of see the inverse now of, uh, of Majora's Mask 3D. Because, like, I mean, I, I still don't really care for Majora's Mask 3D, but after playing Link's Awakening, I'm like, okay, no, I kind of see why people would like Majora's Mask 3D or would appreciate it because, again, it's a more accessible version of the game that's, you know, easier to manage, and it gets people introduced to the story, the world, the characters, you know, in a way that they probably couldn't before. Like, I, I, I've I picked up and put down uh, Link's Awakening on Game Boy, like, multiple times. But with this version, it's flawed up the ass, technically, and also in terms of, like, with how it hands out your, your collectibles. But I, I'm digging the story in this. Like, I, I dig the story. I like the dungeons for the most part. Like, it, I'm having fun with it. So, I it, think it's people weird. confuse, like, 
my distaste for the remake as like because I love Link's Awakening base so like of course the remake when it does things identically to the original then yeah I guess technically I don't dislike it because I love Link's Awakening like there's nothing about the actual dungeon design that's changed so I'm like yeah that's still good but like I think people need to understand that you have to intensely scrutinize these because it's the same game but with changes you almost have to intensely scrutinize because like that's the only frame of reference you have is the same game with changes so you can't compare the same game you can't compare like oh the dungeon is the same yeah the boss is the same the story is the same blah, blah, blah. You have to, like, really dig deep into the changes and what they mean to you and which is your preferred version and stuff like that. And then, like, I made the video on it and they're like, why are you so harsh? And I'm like, because, like, they, I don't like the remake. Because <laughs> there's a clear preferred version for me that is not the remake. And that's why I have to get so down and dirty in the details, because that's all there is to discuss. I don't know. It wasn't that I, it wasn't something I was ever asking for, but you know, at the same time, if it didn't happen, I wouldn't be experiencing Link's Awakening as much as I am. So I can respect it. Like I get why people, I get why diehards won't like the game as much, but it's it's getting me into it. So. I just feel like it's especially concerning when, like, Nintendo is like almost staunchly opposed to releasing old video games on their Switch console. And it's infuriating and like sure you can get Link's Awakening on the 3DS still but like if you want to play it on the current gen console there's only one way to do it yeah and that aggravates me yeah I mean it'd be one thing if it's like the Master Chief collection which is just an enhanced port well actually I don't know is it an HD remake I don't know I don't know how extensive that thing is I've never delved into it but to, it seems like it's an upscale maybe they changed the resolution it, it and stuff it depends like that, like, on the game like uh, how about specifically like Reach because that's more what I'm Reach, talking Reach like, yeah that's just an enhanced Reach port. does not seem very changed like <laughs> it seems very similar besides the Unlocks. I yes, want to say they ported it to Unreal Engine, but that's mm. about it. It's 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 not like the Halo Two anniversary where it's like a flat yeah. out remake. Well, that's where I'm like, I I'm just. I guess this is more of a meta thing, and maybe it's not Link's Awakening remake's fault, but like in a meta sense, it kind of is because they're willing to completely ground up remake a lot of their old games instead of putting them on their console to be to play and then are going after people who put up ISOs or ROMs but like where the fuck are you going to play these games anyway like especially if you don't if you're just like okay we're not going to remake this game then where the fuck else are people going to play it you yep. just buy the old carts you're just well. Here's the thing, though, and this is coming. You know, Golden Sun fan here. Hi, how's it going? We're talking about this now. Like, okay, so like back in 2012, one of the guys who made the Golden Sun game says, "Oh yeah, well, you know, if there's enough demand for Golden Sun to come back, we'll make a new Golden Sun game. It'll naturally lead to the development of such a game." Yet the only ways to support Golden Sun right now is to buy one and two on the Wii U's eShop. But again, like, first of all, like, who has a who has a Wii U anymore? Like, I know we do, but like, the Wii U tanked. So like, 
there's not really a good way to show demand financially because that's what they look at. They look at the financial numbers. Goldstone isn't on Switch. They didn't put anything on Goldstone on the 3DS. Like, no, no, no nothing. So it's like we can't really support these lesser known games. Like, you know, like there's, there's not a way to play those kind of games on these consoles. We can't show our support. We can't show our demand. So now they're just left to rot. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and I mean, you could say, like, go get the ability to play the game. And like, yeah, you could. It's showing but like, interest, but it's not like it's not okay. Showing if you, it if you, to you the want publisher. to like, okay, barring any like quality you want to get out of it, you got to get an old console that still plays the game and a copy of the game, and you got to get the right components to play it on your TV. Depending on what kind of TV you have, that might be more difficult than it yeah. could be. And then if you want to get good quality, you have to fucking like. I don't know how expensive it is, it, but like I, I am so disinterested in doing shit like that that I'm just like, for fuck's sake, just release it on a modern fucking console. But the problem is like, that when they do, they always fuck it up. You know, it's like you're looking well, at I, I like the I, Zero XZX like, Legacy Collection is coming out soon, and it's just like we have a pixel perfect filter, guys, but it's not an integer scale, so there you have uneven lines, and it's like they always screw that up every time. And it's just like, I but can't I don't play think that, that shit that's either. A common, I don't think that's a common thing for me in my, like, a lot of these re-releases and upscaled ports and stuff have not had those kinds of problems for me. And I'm willing to say that something like what Nintendo's already done for the Switch is good enough for somebody like me and probably a majority of people. Um, I think that they, the what they have on NES and SNES is like exactly what I want. Like that's good. It's just that they barely fucking do it. It's like a fucking desert. Like it's it, it baffles me. It legitimately baffles me how slowly they've done it. And it, it I guess like it just yeah. In a meta sense, maybe that does contribute to why I'm down on Link's Awakening remake because I'm like. They're not going to make these old games available to play. They're going to pick and choose which games to remake from the ground up. And that's your option unless you want to go drop it however much on like whatever you need to play these retro games. And it just bothers me a lot. I mean, for like Game Boy games, all you really need is a Game Boy Advance SP. Yeah, for specifically Game Boy games, but... That, that takes up like a very small share of Nintendo's library. So, well, I mean, and with like just even, a Game Boy this... Advance SP, you could play every Game Boy game, every Game Boy Color game, and every Game Boy Advance game. But then, even then, like with the SNES uh, collection that's out on the uh, Switch right now, the on online thing, it's like I, I don't even think the Donkey Kong Country games are on there. First of all, Earthbound isn't on there. Chrono Trigger isn't on there. And it's like you think that these will be things that you put on day one, but nope, now we have to wait another six months for them to put them on. If we're lucky. It's like, why not just, just put... Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that what Nintendo is doing is like, as far as re-releasing these games for people who don't have the hardware, I'm not going to tell you that it makes any goddamn sense. Like, clearly, they are doing what King K is suggesting, which is that they're specifically droughting this content so that they can dredge it up and remake it. Like, I'd believe that, uh, but 
I mean, I guess as a retro collector, like, some games are just way too goddamn expensive right now, but, like, the Mega Man games, for what they are, you're paying, like, 60 bucks for a cart you can finish in an hour, and that's just retarded. Bound and Chrono Trigger. But Game Boy, Game Boy games, Game Boy Color games, Game Boy Advance games, those aren't actually that expensive right now, unless you get something really rare. Like, I just found Densetsu no Starfy 2 at my local watering hole for 10 bucks. And that's an import game. I found- I mean, the imports are usually a lot cheaper. I mean, I found an import for Chrono Trigger for like Well, in bucks. this case, it's an import of a game that was never released in the US. That's fair. So like what I'm saying, and I'm like Zelda games do tend to be more expensive. Like uh, every time yeah. I see Links to the Past on SNES, it's usually about 40 bucks. But that that game I think is probably worth that price. Like I don't really see <laughs> I don't really see Link's Awakening around that much, honestly. Um, so I guess, but it's like in terms of portable stuff, it's usually pretty affordable from my experience. It's usually more NES stuff that's really expensive right now. Like especially if you want to get a good game on NES, and you know, good is relative on NES. Just. It's like something like Contra or Super C costs like 40 bucks. You know, and it's like if you want something that's really good, like Lil Samson, you gotta pay like $700 for that shit. Fuck that. We're going off topic. That is true. Let's severely uh, off topic. Well, I mean, we were, I mean, we, it kind of makes really, sense. We really need to talk about DMC5 and Fire Emblem before yes. it goes to like unholy hours of the night because <laughs> I'm already there King K I'm like we, we just I don't want to rush it but like I, I know there are probably a lot of games that we still have yet to talk about but like we need to get some of the like big ones especially game of the year stuff we don't have to talk about Kingdom Hearts 3 much at all so that'll be short and then like unless there's anything other than DMC5 and Fire Emblem you want to quickly discuss I say we just jump into those uh, real quick well Jump Force is the biggest joke I've played all year was yeah, that agree. this year? It's, it's cool. Like, it's, <laughs> well, actually, no. One Piece World Seeker is the biggest joke I played all year, but it's second I mean, to Jump Force. I mean, Jump Force is fun. I mean, I like how I could play as Yugi and kick Goku's ass. Yeah, I, I think there's because a because that makes sense. Like, if I if I was still 12 years old, I would like love the shit out of this game. And I mean, in that way, my like 12 year old self kind of comes out when I played a few hours of it. But it's also yeah. like as a game, it's like no. <laughs> I, I, I mostly played this one for the online. And the fact that this was nominated for best fighting game of the year is a fucking joke and a half. But, you know, um, wait for a price drop. It's it's fun, but it's like junk food. It's a guilty pleasure. There was also Control, which I haven't played, but it's on the list in case anybody is wondering. We've already talked about Kingdom Hearts 3 ad nauseum, so that's why we're not talking about it. Uh, it does deserve a mention as one of my favorite games of the year, though. It, it, I will say for that as a quick thing that I just want to say, it is my game of the year. Unfortunately, I'm not really going to get to talk about it here, but I already did. Fuck yeah, we our own podcast, we don't need so. to go into um, this. But it's worth noting that it's my favorite of the year. We're going to be also for the people no, who are and asking, nobody is surprised by that. So well, we're going to be. I guess I am a little bit. I mean, like I know you, you? liked the game and all that, but. It you, was a religious seem, experience for him. 
I, like, do you remember you know, let's this? Let's have the conversation. I actually kind of want to have this conversation. Okay. So just one just, more thing. One more thing before we have this conversation. We're gonna do the remind DLC discussion for any. Well, of yeah, I could not give less of a shit about that. But what I do want to say, well, you're gonna do it. Is that <laughs> you're already contracted. <laughs> well, you don't have to do it, Michael. No, you're going to do I it. I want Michael. to discuss it. You already I want to discuss it at least. I I'm done with Kingdom Hearts now. No, you're not. I think. Well, you don't. You know what? We three of us could just do it if we're no, interested. Michael, Michael's going to be in this. <laughs> I did the not watch the Remind trailer, so I don't. But it's just like, as far like I remember well, you saying this. I'm not going to force you to to do things to have a discussion. Well, I, but I, think, I, also I remember you saying it. in the podcast when we were talking about the stupid box and what's his face being Lexar mm -hmm. or whatever his name Lushu. was. Um, Zigbar. Yes, yeah, the Zigbar twist, like. I remember you saying, like, at the very least, with Kingdom Hearts 3, people have a spot to get off the ride. And that's what I'm gonna do. But, what I am- Yeah, that, that is definitely true. You could get off the ride now and be totally fine. But, what I, what I, what I do want to say is that there was a point before I played Luigi's Mansion 3 and Astral Chain where I was seriously had to consider making Kingdom Hearts 3 my, my game of the year. Because it was, like, <laughs> well, the only thing- Thank God. <laughs> There, it was like the only thing I played all year that, because it's like you guys played a whole bunch of stuff like Sekiro and I know the Outer Worlds and it's like a whole bunch of stuff we talked about that I just didn't play because I either didn't have interest in it, like I've never played a Fire Emblem game and probably never will, you know. And it's like so the only thing I really played this year that really impressed me and felt like I have to finish this was Kingdom Hearts Three because. As terrible as the end game was, the the journey up to it in terms of gameplay was actually really solid, and it's the best game in the series as far as that goes. So, and I enjoyed playing it. It looked pretty. It had nice music. Um, but at the same time, it's just like the fact that that was the best thing I I experienced was kind of indicative of you know what I played this year, I guess. But, you know, that said, yeah. I remember you really enjoying Kingdom Hearts 3 King K, but I'm I'm still kind of surprised that you enjoyed it that much, I guess, because it seemed like you did have some reservations with it. Oh, I certainly do. <laughs> but I guess you have to understand that I harshly criticize a lot of the games I truly love. Um, for, like... And I think it's indicative that games like, uh, what's a good example? Like, maybe Ukulele and the Impossible Layer. Well, I was a little negative on that, but like, there's some games I play and I don't have too much to say. I'm just kind of like, oh, that was good. Like, um, not to diminish their value or anything, but like, A Short Hike, for example. I really loved that experience. I got a lot out of it. I think it has a cool message. It's got really good dialogue, but like... Uh, I'm not sure I would ever dig super deep into it. Whereas with like Kingdom Hearts 3, I'm like, there are extreme highs and some lows that make me a little bit angry. But there aren't that many lows, first of all. And the lows are like Kyrie and like, uh, it's been a hot minute. So give me a second. It's like, uh, I haven't fully played the game since January, so, like, it's a little fuzzy. Uh, it's like, I, I, I recall, it's like Kyrie and... 
there was like another big thing that kind of bothered me, but then like, oh, it was Naminé. That's the other thing. Is Kyrie and Naminé as a whole, just everything about them, I don't think was handled well. But then you get to like, well, I, I legitimately enjoyed all the Disney worlds, some more than others, yeah. But like, I legitimately loved playing through them all. I loved, I yeah. loved the like Woody and Sully stuff and all that. And like, the final end game stuff was like, I was, I was like, it was surreal the amount, like how much I enjoyed all of the stuff that was happening there, and how like emotionally charged I was, and just how like, you know. So like, yeah, I guess I can understand. Like, I have said some things about it that are less than good, but. To be honest, Kingdom Hearts as a series is so like lopsided that I say that about almost every game in the series. And yet, even the one, even like Birth by Sleep, which I don't see as like super great in terms of like, it's not as good as Cage 2 or 1 or 3. I'm st I still consider it one of my favorites, even though it's incredibly fucked sometimes. <laughs> so. Yeah. There's my short KH3 thing. Okay. Uh, so now... I mean, honestly, with, with me, like, with Kingdom Hearts 3, like, the more... Like, I, I, I kind of understand what Jay Jay's reviews would say about Sly 4, where it's just, like, the more he thinks about it, the worse the game gets. And it's like, I tried telling myself, like, you know, no, 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 the gameplay was fun. The gameplay was fun. But then I, I just... I, I can't remember anything that happened in the world. Like, I, remember the, I remember the Pirates of the Caribbean world, but that's really... It. That's the only thing that like sticks out. The worlds did just they, they were boring to me. The bosses were boring. The, the way how they told the Disney stories was like in in like the Frozen world and in the Tangled world was incredibly half-assed and 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 underbaked. The Toy Story world story was good. Oh, and, and the Pirates world story made no fucking sense either, and I hated it. Uh, yeah. And then there's like you know you get the impression that you get to explore Skalad Column, and then. You don't, and then you think Kyrie's going to do something interesting, and then she doesn't, and then <sighs> the more I think about it, the more bummed out I get. And it's it's not like as if I went into this game arm swinging. <laughs> I didn't want to hate this game because I wanted this to be my game of the year. I waited outside of a GameStop at midnight next to a goddamn dumpster waiting for this game. I got the special edition and everything. I got a little pin on my little pin board. I wanted to love this game. But just the more I think about it, the more it just gets me sad. And I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to take that away from, from you, King King. Like, I, I'm glad that you love the game as well, much I, as you I do. just wanted to say Genuinely. that I agreed to, like, it is fucking mind-blowing and baffling, and I just will never understand the tone-deaf, like, treatment of Kyrie as a character as a whole is just, like, I'm so awestruck by how awful she's written that it genuinely saddens me sometimes. I mean, it's <laughs> like, not, for me, it's not even just Kyrie. It's just like most of the characters weren't given enough to do and they don't really interact that much. I feel like it's just Kyrie in particular, especially because she was fridged, basically. <laughs> especially after Dream Drop, where, where it was implied that she was going to be doing some cool shit and that she doesn't, but... I don't know, man. Like, again, I, I'm, I'm genuinely glad that you enjoy the game as much as you do. I'm not trying to take that away. I'm not trying to talk down to you or anything like that. Just for me, personally, it, it, it was... It, it was the it was the biggest disappointment of the year for me. I wanted to love it, and maybe with Remind, it, it'll it'll fix some things. I'm hoping it does. You're saying I'm it gonna, will I'm gonna... remind you of what you liked about the series. Oh, shut up, it, Michael. It might. It might. 
because hey, you know, we got we got uh, Aerith and Leon and Yuffie. Like, hey, that's 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 something. Sid's in there too somewhere. Scarlet kind of looks to be explorable. Hey, that's 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 good. Uh, two new Keyblades. That's awesome. Uh, data boss battles. Sure, I'll take it. Just, eh, I don't know. Oh, and Kyrie, she's doing some stuff in there. But it's yeah. just, I don't know. I, I've been burned, and it hurts. It, and the DLC just kind of seems like as if it's just putting a band-aid over a wound. It doesn't really fix anything, but it's just kind of there to like patch it up. But we'll see when it gets here. I guess I'm interested. <laughs> I mean, but... jokes on you. I'm fucking excited. Hey, you know, I'm 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 interested, but ugh, ugh, I don't know. That's Kingdom Hearts three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can we talk about Devil May Cry five? I need to pick me up. Uh, I didn't play it. Is- I think Devil May Cry 5, as it, in terms of pure action gameplay, is better than Kingdom Hearts 3, probably. I think Devil May, Devil May Cry 5 is... is a, I, I love it. I love it. Was, it was a contender for Game of the Year for me. I, I, yeah. I love it so much. I mean, yeah. It was really good. I don't, it's I, probably... Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know how it, it compares it's to arguably, Devil May Cry 3, but... It's arguably my favorite Dante moveset, but then 4 also exists, so I'm like, I don't, I don't really remember much about 4, though. That wouldn't really leave much of an impression. Uh, 4 is a game. Pretty flawed. But, like, in terms of, like, Dante's kit, might be one of my favorites, like, ever. It's just that he didn't get a lot of unique things to do with it was the problem. Isn't that, but isn't that the game where they, like, recycle levels wholesale? Well, what they do is that you play first half as Nero, and then you start from the halfway point as Dante and work backwards to the beginning of the game. Because that game was developed in like a year, (laughs) I think. (laughs) So, um, yeah. But five is like, five is like four's improved combat system over three, in my opinion, like the style switching and like Nero and, um, Five feels like that, where four's genuine one-up on three was that it had like a better combat system for me. It's just that the the actual game level part was way worse than three. <laughs> but then five is kind of like, well, we can get the improved combat and have an actual full game, mash them together, put a nice, neat little bow on like a saga kind of in a weird way, kind of like Kingdom Hearts 3 did in a strange way that I don't think anybody was expecting them to do, but like it was kind of like, uh, not to spoil anything, but there's like a nice uh, change of the guard, if you will, like yeah. and I I think that ending is like one of my favorite endings in any game. Dante's final line is like, (laughs) I just love it. That final cutscene is just it's great. I don't know, man. There's something about it that I'm like, yeah, that's a fucking good video game. That's a fucking good video game. It's like what oh, we were man. talking about earlier with Capcom make, co- making a comeback, and like this is like the 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 pinnacle of it, I think. It's yeah. like they, they, like they they made like the new Monster Hunter, the new Mega Man, the Resident Evil games, and now this, and like this is like like I mean like I like DMC Devil May Cry, the one where he goes, I'm the prom date, you ugly sack of shit. Like that's a guilty pleasure, but like this and I've is got the genuinely. Bigger dick. And I got the bigger dick. <laughs> but, like, this game is so fucking good. Like, I don't really care for playing as V that much. Like, he's just kind of... 
he, he's an interesting idea, but like I don't really care for actually playing him. Playing as him it just feels too button mashy. Yeah, but like, that's true. Nero is so much fun. I and I love the Devil Breakers. I that's like the best part about the game. With with how many that there are, the kind of variety that they add, how many you can have on you at once, it's just I love it. Like you have like a little grappling hook, but then all of a sudden you got a drill punch, and you got a rocket punch, and you can ride that rocket and you can run around the whole world, and then boom, you blow up everyone. It's great. I love it. Actually, you should play DMC Five. Uh, I haven't played well, the other. You others. should probably play three and four first. Yes, I tried yes. playing most out the of first game. Yeah, you can skip the first. It's fine. Yeah, it's, you could play three, four, and five, and it's a fulfilling full narrative arc and like of all three of them baseline even four four is kind of hilarious how much they reuse but like it's still a fun action game at its core and four especially is short ish i'm not sure which one i like more if i like three or four or uh, excuse me three or five more five is more recent I debate but that three too. was like was like three i feel like is like more visually varied and has more a more interesting level design but like in terms of like convenience and like streamlined action gameplay and like the best feel, I think five wins for me just because three, it is so fucking hard to go back to when you can't change styles on the fly. Like, I yeah. just can't get over that. It's that's the biggest problem for three in my honest opinion. And to be fair, it's been a few years since I've played DMC three, so I'm not sure how it holds up. But I remember really, really loving it. It is still so. really good. It's just hard to go back for that alone. For that's me. fair. But that's right. not really a problem when you're going from three up. Mm -hmm. So it's like three is when it started getting good, like really good. No, three is still regarded by many as the best. One. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe five is better. Maybe five is better because like, I, like one of my favorite parts about five, it's. Uh, I don't remember what the name was, but it's, it's it's one level, but you fight this giant crab monster on a rooftop. Do you remember that? In five? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember crab what monster. Yeah. It's what like this, part of the game was it? Like how far in? I don't remember, but I know you had you were playing as oh, Nero. Did you climb up there as Nero? Yeah. Back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Like, you know, there's that boss and then there's the the there's the boss where he has a mouth on his stomach and then he breathes out fire and then he like he throws you through a building and like the building collapses in real time like this game is really yeah. really impressive in terms of its scale it's also it's on the re engine and which it's is on the, the same RE as engine. resident evil 2 so it looks real good yeah like this like this is like one of the few games where i play like on this generation it's just like no this feels like a current gen game not like a PS3 game that's up res or anything like No, it feels like current gen. You can't get this on PS3, son. Yeah. I loved it. All right. Uh, last Pokemon. but not least, Fire Emblem. We forgot Emblem. about Pokemon. We forgot about Pokemon. Can we not? All right. Let's <laughs> I not. Really let's not. Don't, uh, we, we can, but like, oh my God. No. Do not get me started on Pokemon. Let, let's not. Blow a gas let, let's why not. don't we keep Pokemon uh, brief? I, I no, think it's fine. Let's let's not fine. even. I'm I'm a veto it. I'm gonna put a veto on you, it. I don't you were the one who brought it, it up. I am, I am at the point. 
I am at the point with Pokemon where I cannot stand talking about it anymore. So I just then don't we won't. Do it. We're gonna veto it. I just wanted to I'm, put I'm it at out that into point. our I'm space. I'm almost at that point with Star Wars, honestly. So, All right, we're gonna veto everything. I ain't getting into that shit. Last game, Fire Emblem. I'm falling asleep. Michael, Fire take Emblem. it away. No, 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 no. Michael. Michael, Michael, Michael. What? Take it, take it away. I haven't played Fire Emblem. Michael even played Fire Emblem. I know. I don't know take what it away. Say about it. Take it away. No, no, no. It's your turn. Take it away. Uh, Fire Emblem it, Three Houses. It sounds like a visual novel crossed with a strategy game. It looks. I don't know. I don't. Maybe I'd like it, maybe I wouldn't, but it just didn't seem like worth spending 60 bucks to find out, so I didn't get it. You I feel like Ryan you? should lead, oh, because it's his game of the year. Game this is, this of is, the this year. This is my game of the year. Yay. So I, I also let, let it be known that I'm not really an expert on Fire Emblem. I got into Fire Emblem with Awakening, and then I went back to Path of Radiance, you know, tried out. So I don't really have a lot of Fire, Fire Emblem underneath my belt. But what this feels like to me... It feels like Fire Emblem Fates done the right way. Because with that game, it's like they, they, they take the game and then they split it into two separate copies that they sell for full retail price. And then they sell you the true ending for DLC for $20, right? I fucking hate Fire Emblem Fates. I think it's scummy and garbage. But with this game, you get like you get four routes straight off the bat in one cartridge. What a concept. There's multiple paths to take. And each one, from what I understand, because I haven't beaten this game yet, like one playthrough for me. And it was, I, I took the shortest route. It was about 40 hours. There's a lot, yeah. like this is worth $60. It's not like, the, it's not like the most graphically intensive game. It's not the most graphically impressive, but it has a really, really good story with really, really good characters. And it's just like, it feels, yeah, God, it just, KK, help me out here. Help, help me out here. There are things I love this it game. does to not spoil it. Mm -hmm. where you passed the time skip mechanically mm -hmm. where I was like oh you're gonna make me kill some people like yeah <laughs> you know what I mean like uh you have performed an emotional gut punch sir <laughs> let me ask, what was your first route was it the black eagles uh edelgard edelgard specifically where you side with her right that was my first route there, there is a again without spoiling it there is a point in the game where revelations are had, and you have to make a crucial decision that will change the game. And I was, I was yeah. staring at my fucking switch on the toilet, mind you. I was taking a shit while that was happening too. So I was staring at this fucking screen for like five minutes, jaw agaped, just trying to figure out what I should fucking do. Yeah, I had a similar dilemma because I was like, well, I love Edelgard, but like some things that happened there was made me like. Hmm. <laughs> it's like I don't know, and it's just like the fact that this game was able to make me feel something like that. You know, especially after being burned yeah. by Fire Emblem Fates, it's just like it, it. It feels good. I know a guy. I know a guy who follows my channel. He used. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna call you out. His username used to be Fire Emblem, and Pokemon will never be good again. That was his fucking username. <laughs> <laughs> this game comes out, and now he changes it to like FF, and Pokemon will never be good again. So it's just like if diehard Fire Emblem fans are are raving about this fucking game, saying how good it is, it's a testament to how fucking good it is. It's a genuine, genuinely good game, and I, I, it also has to like some things with, um, it also shares some similarities to Path of Radiance, where in that game every party member would have like bonus EXP after a map or um, after a uh, after you clear a map, and that'll help you 
Um, you know, it help it helps to avoid grinding, for example. You know, it it, it gives you some extra ex, some extra XP for the character that you, who might need it. And in this game, like you can also like pick and choose like which character you want to have level up with certain traits. You can make them certain classes. They'll be better with certain classes, but like you can make them whatever the hell you want. And that's something you can also do in Fire Emblem Awakening. So it has like all of these mechanics that were from the previous Fire Emblem games, or at least the ones that I played and enjoyed. And it all culminate, cul culminates, culminates. I don't know how to fucking say it. It's all here, and it works great. Yeah. yeah. There's a mission. Um. I don't think you would have done it, Ryan, <laughs> because it's on. Uh... All right. So what I did, so I did Edelgard and then Dimitri. I'm doing Still Dimitri right do... now. Still need to do Claude. There's a mission late that you don't do if you side with Edelgard, which is kind of why it's hard to talk about this in specifics. But when I was on Dimitri, there's a time skip level reunion kind of thing. Um, that is legitimately that level favorite level in the game because it is I have never seen a level that is like blends every part of the experience together and like made that level made me be oh. like oh this is one of the best games ever. but I, I like, know exactly I know exactly what you're talking about though do you yeah the uh the reunion battle after yeah, the time and, skip and uh claude goes like oh as far as as far as uh class reunions go this is like the worst in history yeah yeah i know exactly that what you're one, talking about that yeah. map holy shit is like first of all past the time skip uh to not spoil things there are people you are asked to kill that you have maybe formed emotional attachments to <laughs> And that shit is like, okay, so on a gameplay level, it is interacting with the story in a way I've scarcely seen before. It's like, you have to fight two, you fight a war on two fronts, basically. There's like so many little intricacies to like, depending on what you do, certain units will react by saying something different. Like, I swear to God, um, there's a specific unit who will depending on what direction you start the battle from, that unit will be like, oh, so you're gonna attack them first, or you're gonna attack us first, or you're gonna go to the middle, or like stuff like that. And I'm like, Jesus, like it accounts for literally everything you try to do. And it says a lot about how your play style is. And I'm like, what the, like, this is like really good. <laughs> like I was just floored by Fire Emblem, to be honest. And I haven't even done all three routes. Technically there are four, but I haven't even done all three main routes. And there's yeah, DLC I on still top of do that Claude. too. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm just like Jesus Christ. That's like, and this game was the absolute closest to dethroning Kingdom Hearts three. I'll admit that it came fucking close. Like, I seriously had to consider that for a few weeks. I was like, oh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> Fire Emblem's pretty good. <laughs> my biggest issue with this game, though, is Byleth, him or herself. Um, mm -hmm. Byleth is a plank of wood. And yeah. I don't like that. Like, even with Corrin, like, Corrin, I don't like either. And he's, and I, but I don't like him because he's just a complete and utter dipshit. You know, he, he's naive, but it's to a point where it's obnoxious, right? I, I think Robin is yeah. the best way to do it. Robin was a great character. And he's also like a player character where you can customize the way how he or she looks. And it's just like, I don't understand if they're going to have Byleth be this plank of wood with absolutely no personality. Even though the, there is kind of a story element to it, which was interesting, anyways. 
I don't know why we couldn't at least have a custom like a customizable avatar. Like I, no, I would have appreciated that. Like, much of Awakening, I mm -hmm. I would agree because I liked Robin from what I saw. Yeah, and there are a lot of Byleth. They're not called social links. I don't know what they're called. Supports. There are a lot of Byleth supports that feel kind of awkward because like Byleth doesn't speak. Yeah. And there actually is a narrative reason why, but it's which I appreciate kind of, but it's also like 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 for for <laughs> a bit of context, my sister was also playing through this game and she 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 hates Byleth because she was having a conversation with I think it was Bernadetta. And she made a choice that uh, she didn't really understand what it meant. She thought it meant one thing, but Byleth interpreted it as another way that was apparently insulting to Bernadetta. But my sister didn't mean for it to be that way. So, you know, there wasn't really that connection there. You know, there was a lack of uh, clear communication between the player and the avatar. So, I mean, but that never really bothered me too much but like that's really my biggest complaint and even then it's not really anything that breaks the game for me it's like a little little blip that's like oh well you know i would have done this better you know i would have had a playable character or i would have fleshed out pilot a little bit more but the cast of characters that you have in each of the houses i think they're genuinely great like i already have like a root plan where it's like i did black eagles first with edelgard then i'm going to do claude and then i'm going to do the fourth route then I'm going to do uh, uh, Dimitri, and then I'm going to have one more uh, Black Eagles route as my main canonical run. Canonical run. But in that last run, I'm going to hire. I'm going to bring over everybody that I possibly can from the different houses because I don't want to kill anybody because I love them all too much. It's like the yeah. first. Like is is this the last game since like the last game to make me do that was Fire Emblem Awakening, where it's just like I'm like where I would have like, you know, I would plan like who would go with who to give me the best stats and then who would also bring me the best child who has the best stats and who would I pair them up with? You know, I'm going to make, maybe I'm going to make Donald into a mercenary. I'll make Muriel into uh, a dark knight. I'll make Frederick into uh, whatever, a, 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 a wyvern rider. Why not? And it's just, I, I put 350 hours in that game in Fire Emblem Awakening because there's a lot of customization. There's a lot of choice. That's a and, lot more than me, even though. Because, <laughs> well, Fire Emblem Awakening, again, is I, one of I my favorites. I almost broke 100. Like, I adore that game. And Fire Emblem Three Houses is like, it's the first game in a long time that makes you want to replay this game over and over and over again, but with different play styles, with different, uh, with different choices. Yeah. Like, I, I love it. It's great. It's, it's, it's the best game on Switch. Don't fight me. <laughs> it's my favorite Fire Emblem game, even though it's really the only one I've ever played fully. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that's, that's my game of the year. Paradox. Yeah. Yours was Death, yours was Death Stranding? Yeah. Yes. Yes, it Minus was. Kingdom Hearts 3. Oh, and then Michael's was... Uh, uh, Luigi's Warfare. Mansion. There you go. <laughs> yep. Wasn't it Luigi's Mansion 3? God, I don't know. This, this year wasn't as bad as 2017, but it reminded me a lot of it. With me, it was like, it started off horrible. But then it, it picked up and it got to a point where it's just like there were too many games that I wanted to play, but not enough time. Yeah, that like, was like, like when that was August my hit, experience. Really, that was it. Is that it's just like there were good games that came out this year, or at least enjoyable games. But it just seemed like everything like maybe I'm just getting old. I don't know. 
And it just seems like everything is too long. Even the good stuff just doesn't hold my attention. I mean, a part of the problem is that I've got to edit shit, you know, and I've got school. But it's just like, I hear that Fire Emblem's three, you could pour like hundreds of hours into it. And it just sounds like, well, I guess I'm never playing that, you know? I don't have time well, for again, that. Well, you, again, you can, but like one playthrough would be like more than enough to satisfy. Like, in I, one playthrough sure. is worth $60. Uh, but, you know, it's, so it's like, I mean, there are games I played this year that I liked, but, you know, then there was Ukulele and the Impossible Layer. Uh, I mean, I guess if I had to pick something, it would probably be Luigi's Mansion 3, because it was the most charming. It was like the only game I played this year where I picked it up and I popped it in and I couldn't put it down until I finished it. But even then, like I said earlier, its mechanics can only hold your attention for so long. Thankfully, the game ends right when it starts to get boring. But, you know, still, I, I couldn't... I couldn't call it more than like an 8.5 out of 10, realistically. So... But I guess... You should play Fire Emblem. I, I don't you think I'd like it. You should try it. See if Eric will buy it for you. I don't know, maybe. But yeah, I don't, I don't have anything else to say, and we've been going for like four hours or whatever. So let's. Garfield uh, Kart Furious Racing for the Nintendo Switch was the best game of the year. No, it was actually. Uh, oh god, I have like a long list of fucking stupid. Like. Atelier Ryza! Woo! Best game! Yeah. Garfield Kart that Hadox gifted me is the best game of this year. Please check out our YouTube channel for video versions of all our podcasts. The music used in this podcast is as follows. Aces High, Airport Lounge, Ashton Manor, Awesome Call, Bittersweet, Bosa Bosa, Chucky the Construction Worker, Continue Life, Cool Vibes, Crinoline Dreams, Dispersion Relation, Disquiet, Eternity, Funnin' and Sunnin', Funky Chunk, Hard Boiled, Hepcats, Honeybee, In Your Arms, Intractable, Jazz Brunch, Lobby Time, Local Forecast Slower, Meatball Parade, Mining by Moonlight, No Good Layabout, Novel Noel, Octo Blues, Porch Blues, Porch Swing Days Slower, Shaving Mirror, Sidewalk Shades Slower, Spyglass, Street Party, White, and Winter Chimes. All of these tracks were composed by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com and are licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 4.0. You can find this license at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash five forward slash 4.0 forward slash. This episode was edited by yours truly, ExoParadigmGamer. You can find me at youtube.com forward slash c forward slash ExoParadigmGamer. Thank you all very much for watching our podcast, and we'll see you all next time.